Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today we are going to talk about motivating writers. Ideas are genius. And I want to welcome my special guests today, um, Sarah Evans and Kimberly Bredberg. Welcome, ladies. I am so excited to have you both on the show to share about writing. <laughs> Thank um, you for having us. Absolutely. So, so how this conversation started was actually over two years ago, two and a half years, actually. <laughs> I was in the Grand Tetons, and uh, my family was going to be taking a float trip, and I met Sarah who was looking at the water and you were debating about putting a canoe in. Was that correct? And we somehow got chatting and two years later, she finds my business card in her wallet. (laughs) (laughs) And so we scheduled something and I'm excited. I think this timing though is perfect. Um, There are more and more people that are homeschooling. And as this broadcast is coming out, we're coming into the holiday season and there's a lot of parents sitting on the fence. This is usually the time of the year they say, Hmm, School isn't working out like we had thought it would. (laughs) And so we think we might homeschool, but yet 
maybe they have a child that they don't know how to teach a certain subject and writing and reading are one of those top ones that a lot of parents are like, mm, I think I might need an expert for this. But um, I want you to listen to what Sarah and Kimberly have to say um, in this broadcast about um, just a much more simplified approach to writing. And they are veterans. They have been there, done that. And so I want them to share a little bit of their background first, just to encourage you um, about um, what knowledge they're coming into this conversation with and why you need to listen to this whole hour. <laughs> so which one of you ladies would like to start? Shall I start it off, Sarah? Sure. Okay. Hello, my name is Kim Bredberg, and I'm, um, I homeschooled all four of my children. I'm a mom of four. I have one daughter and three sons. I've, um, my uh, husband was my childhood sweetheart, and um, and I uh, went to school. I have a kind of a diverse background. Um, I'm a person who is probably mildly on the dyslexic spectrum. I was kind of a late bloomer, but I have um, two degrees from you know my undergraduate um, endeavor. I have a degree in neuroscience, and I also have a degree in sculpture. And, um, and I really believe that those two worlds have a very interconnected role to play. Um, I went on later to get a master's degree in writing after, well, not after, but when I was at the very tail end of homeschooling my children, after I had started Blackbird and Company and my nonprofit organization that was a micro school in Los Angeles. So um, my passion as um, an artist slash scientist is writing. Um, I love writing poetry. I've written a book. I've written, I've developed all of our curriculum. Um, and um, I believe that writing is an art form. And I can't wait to chat about that more with Absolutely. you all today. So... Awesome. Well, that is, that's wonderful. And you, Sarah? Well, my name is Sarah Evans, and I have two children. They are not children anymore. They're 29 and 30, <laughs> or 31, and um, a, a daughter and a son. And I met Kim, interestingly, at a garage sale. I had heard that she had was teaching kindergarten. My daughter was turning five and I was, had always been thinking about homeschooling. Uh, we'd mm -hmm. been kind of researching it for years and I just love being with my daughter. I didn't want to send her away to a, a school. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so Kim said, well, I'm actually thinking of starting something on my own. And I said, can I join you? And poof, our, um, <laughs> <laughs> our friendship started and our uh, we had a homeschool co-op in San Luis Obispo where I live for a number of years. A lot of families joined us and um, my educational background was just I went to Cal Poly. I was a child development major. I don't have a lot of fancy degrees at all, but I have a passion to be with my kids and uh, a passion to learn. And just I'm a lifelong you know, I love learning and I wanted that to be a real focus for my children, mm. you know, that they would be lifelong learners. So 
what we created was a super creative school. We integrated art and reading and writing and math and history and everything mm -hmm. together. But we had a real uh, creative emphasis. So if we were studying something uh, like California history, we made a big, huge California quilt that all the kids participated oh, wow. in. And, uh -huh. and just jillions of things like that. I focused hmm. a lot on teaching kids hand arts. You know, I taught kids to embroider, to knit, to oh, how cook, to, you know, yeah. quilt. It was like rug hook. I mean, we did mm -hmm. so many things like that. We were trying to make it really rich like that. So, and then we, you know, just had a, a philosophy that each kid in our group was had certain genius and we were trying to figure out what that genius was for each child right and and let them you know flourish in that area and then we you know we really had a big emphasis a lot on reading good books and mm -hmm. then our ideas to develop uh um the integrating of reading and writing really was born there. And then we went on to have Blackbird and Company, our curriculum company, which is language arts for K through 12. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to pull two nuggets out of there that, you know, you talked about every child has a genius. Um, I think we sometimes forget that, especially in our community, um, just because we focus so much on what's not happening well instead of what is happening well. And so I love that um, you guys take that approach. And and also the fact that you met at a garage sale and developed a friendship <laughs> and said, let's do this together. I There's so many people out there looking for community when they homeschool. Mm -hmm. And I think we miss that there's community possibilities all around us. And we have to embrace just the people God puts in front of us. <laughs> that yeah. is oftentimes the best community. And sometimes my kids would come home and they're like, I made this friend and ended up the mom and I ended up being better friends than the two boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but it's, it's just, um, we, we ha are surrounded by community opportunities and we have to definitely take those. But yeah, well, that is so awesome. And so awesome what has grown out of that Blackbird and Company. Um, we're going to be talking a, um, a bit about your, your curriculum as well. Can you give us just a little introduction um, to, to what you guys offer? So, so what we offer is we have complete English language arts kindergarten through high school, but our methodology is super different. And it <laughs> comes out of us asking the question, what is writing? Uh, and, yes. um, you know, it's, I think that writing, um, writing has become calculus in the education realm. Yes, yeah, very and, good analogy. <laughs> and it's really not supposed to be. Yeah, calculus is, you know, it's a word that means many, many, many pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And writing is not meant to be many pieces. It's meant to convey an idea. It's meant to be um, yeah. passionate. It's meant to be an art form. And so... Hmm. We have to we have to um, we have to approach that differently, and right. we have to we have to not overshadow both books and writing with um, grammar, mechanics, and style. Um, right. So I, 
Yeah, so I always like to, I wanted to hold up. So this is just a small piece of some of the standards that we're given as educators that mm -hmm. kind of make us sweat when we right. see them, exactly. right? <laughs> you, you know, Which is crazy and we're because like, even somebody trained is sweating versus, you know, as yeah. parents, like I told these ladies before we came on, I didn't even know what the word phonics was when I started homeschooling. So um, that yeah, yeah. kind of makes me curl up in a ball and want to go, no, not doing this. <laughs> yeah. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that because I, I will bring this in early. We have, um, as you know, as we've adopted, um, in terms of how do we communicate our methodology, we've adopted a little phrase that comes from the art world. This is a phrase that was, um, invented by, or put forth by the Bauhaus artists in the 1940s. And the phrase is form follows function. Uh, and yes. I love that so much because function is the function of a piece of writing, whether it's a word or a phrase or a sentence, an essay, a novel, the, the purpose is to convey an idea, right? Mm. And it's to give something to an audience. And that's the function. So grammar, style, mechanics, phonics, alphabet, everything right. else has to follow that idea. Right. And um, and I think that if there's you know one thing we can say about our business, it is that you know we're we're going to make sure that students um, graduate high school super articulate, able to communicate their ideas but also that they will know the process and they'll understand the form because the more you grow, words have specificity and, you know, rules, uh, rhetoric can, mm -hmm. can help us to shape our ideas beautifully. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 
800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. What do you have to add to that, Sarah? Um, I think that it's really important to remember that there's an end game in that writing and ideas uh, well, idea making in general in, it, uh, informs every field of life, whether it's science, history, you know, sociology, whatever, that you have to believe in your ideas. You know, first off, you've got to realize that you actually do are capable of having original ideas and that, you know, all those fields are made up of you know, real science is, comes from real ideas. Real writing comes from real ideas. Right. And um, I didn't know this when I was homeschooling. I never really thought about the future of my kids. I was so focused. I mean, I thought of it, I guess, in a vague way, but right. I was so focused mm-hmm. on getting it all done right now and doing it right. <laughs> and am I going to be arrested if I do it right. wrong, you know? <laughs> but um, it was it was interesting to my, my daughter is a PA and she went off to uh, graduate school in Oregon and was in a super competitive environment applying for the certain school. And we understood that there would be thousands of applicants and they took like 2% of the wow. applicants. So I, that was where, and she needed to write a personal statement and she, mm-hmm. she took months to write it. And it was when I went, oh, this is why we are doing this, why we want to start with children when they're really, really young to help them believe that they have ideas. I mean, it Mm -hmm. shows I will often I'm talking to families, kids are standing there, sometimes teenage kids. And, you know, I'll just turn to them and say, do you do you realize that you have original ideas in your head? And sometimes they're just like, what? Like, (laughs) Uh no, I, have I think the traditional like, school system tells they don't because they're filling them with right. everything that they have instead. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such, a, such a top down right. approach. But um, when my daughter had finished ri- writing this uh, personal statement, it was so beautiful because she's an artist and, but she's going into a scientific field, but she right. chose to write about the weaving of science and, and art together, medicine and art together. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. But, you know, we knew that there would be hundreds of applicants that would just say the word I want. You know, they will start their essay with I want to help people. Right. You know, and there, there's no way that's going to stand out. You know, it's like, oh, obviously you want to help people. You're going to that field. So it was fun to see the real life application of that. And then yes. she got accepted. You know, there are many parts to being accepted, but that's a big part of it. There's a big room full of doctors sitting there reading these things and something has to stick out. So that's, you know, that's just one teeny example of, 
that. And by and when you right. get to when you get to that age, um, my daughter when she was in college, she went to Loyola Marymount, and she was in the mm-hmm. honors program. And the after she took the entry level writing class, the professor asked her if she would be one of the writing coaches for the kids that came through. She actually she actually got into Loyola like at the ninth hour um, in May. We weren't even expecting to apply for a year. They said, please apply because of her writing, because they saw samples of her writing. And so the first day that she was on the job in this, um, you know, teaching uh, or coaching kids. So the professor gave a prompt and it was a really wonderful, open ended, interesting prompt. And she had nine people in her charge and all of them came in the first day in a panic. <laughs> what 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 are we supposed to say? What are we supposed to say? What are we supposed to say? Like almost just oh, panicking. Wow. And she said, well, you could, you know, you could approach this through the field of science or you could talk of this through the field of music or and then she would she stopped and said, what is your idea? And they all <laughs> just got blank and they got petrified. And this is, you know, back this all the way up to the child. I just, you know, had a conversation with a wonderful mama with a second grade child who um, who was being given assignments that were way above her skill level. So it's like you Mm -hmm. have to bring this down to the skill level and you have to put the idea first. So you even drop the skill level a little to say, what's your idea? And that's the way that you see growth. That's the way that you see motivation. And um, it's it's a long-term process. Um, You can't wait till the end. Yes. That's so true. What is your idea? If you haven't been working that muscle all your life of what is your idea, what is your idea, you know, and fostering that, it gets pretty difficult. Totally difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Um. The um, I like to always say that, you know, in order to answer the question, what is writing? I like to go to the great writers. And I this is why we integrate, you know, great writing with writing exercises. Um, So I think about, you know, I wrote down some of my favorites. Um, I think about Madeline Langle. What she says about writing is you have to write a book that wants to be written. And Mm, so take that down into when you're teaching, you have to write what wants to be written, an idea. Mm -hmm. Don't write what I want you to write. Write what you want to write. Mm -hmm. Um, And then C.S. Lewis says, you can make anything by writing. That's a great motivator to Uh, a child. You can make anything by writing. creator, yes. Uh Right, right, right. And that that taps you into what we are. We're all created to be creators, Mm -hmm. whatever whatever field we are in. Um, Absolutely. Then we always lean on Ernest Hemingway. Um, Ernest Hemingway said, you know, if you can write one true sentence, you can write anything. So it's like we take it down to, you know, what are the great writers saying? Um, and then we have we make this great analogy. Sarah, maybe you want to share our the little lesson that we always give about writing sentences. Oh, I love so, that. 
Sarah. Um, oh. I'm here. About if you're going to write a sentence about something, I think you have an object, don't you? Oh, that's what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So let's say, let's say I have an object. Here is a ceramic, whoa, ceramic leaf. Mm -hmm. And if I were to put this in front of some children and I was trying to do a writing thing, um, we're not, the first thing we're not going to think is, okay, I need to go hunt for an adverbial phrase. I need to hunt for, you know, an independent clause, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to approach it from a, a place of grammar, right? We're going right. to, I'm going to ask them to describe this object. Yeah. Um, what do you see? I'm going to ask, them, what do you see? Mm -hmm. And then compose sentences about what they see. And obviously a kindergarten is going to, kindergartner is going to compose something a little differently than a fifth grader or right. a high school yeah. student. And that's okay and great. Mm -hmm. But you really want them to think about what they're seeing. It's observation. So you're using the right. powers of observation and then writing. And then you write your senses, sentences and then you go back and, and clean it up if there's grammar problems or spelling problems. Mm -hmm. But if you approach sentence writing from the get-go, I mean, I think what we're really trying to say with this calculus thing is that mm -hmm. if you're super hung up and all you teach is grammar and spelling and mm -hmm. all these things that are important in writing, but they're not the most important thing. If you don't bring the right. ideas first, then you just have dry, really laborious writing exercises and then kids hate writing. And we right. have had that experience so many times being at shows where, you know, families go up, my sixth grader hates writing. He just, he hates writing, you know, and <laughs> right. or it, and so it's just like, oh, oh no, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, how do we remediate that? How do we, you know, goes back to the idea and, and yeah. I think a lot of writing programs are so heavily focused on that. Um, exactly. And then it's crushing. It crushes the idea because writing is an art form. And also, I always try to tell parents, um, whenever you share an idea, that's a vulnerable thing to do. Right. So in our program, when kids are, we're asking them when they're going to compose their paragraph, there's a writing prompt that they get from the reading. And then as they share that idea, the worst thing you can do at that point is say, oh, man, you know, that doesn't make sense. Or that's, mm. you know, you spelled this wrong. And, you know, da, da, da. Right. So it's like, oh, that's a really the better way to go about that is to say, what a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, how can we write some sentences that support that idea? You know, let's let's get some more ideas few right. more sentences on the paper that support that idea. And then you, you meet, you help them clean it up, so to speak. But, you mm -hmm. know, they can read it out loud. They can hear weird tense problems because they oh, yeah. typically speak English. And then you can point out one or two errors, but then you, mm -hmm. you really talk about that idea and make that the primary thing. Then, you know, over time, what's really amazing, we've noticed this, um, for years as kids that, because in our program, kids do six books in the year and they write 
24 paragraphs and hundreds of sentences using hmm. that muscle of writing right. that Hemingway talked about one true <laughs> sentence. And as they, from September to June, there's a shocking, amazing improvement in their writing just because they've been sharing their ideas consistently over 24 paragraphs. And no. if it's done right and you conference with them and you coach them through the little changes they need to make, right? they just blossom and become really good writers. Right. But if you just crunch down, you know, like right. with criticism, it's like, ah, because your ideas do make you vulnerable, you know, whenever you, sh yeah. you share them. So. And I, I think, I think, I think even more than, I think even more than the crunch down is kind of what um, are the, the mainstream kind of traditional approach to teaching writing is much more heavy on form. You get a little bit of idea right. making and that idea making is oftentimes becomes a really critical period because it's not incorporating all of this you know, mechanics that you're required to make, right. to incorporate in those pieces. Um, you know, uh, I think that the deconstructive um, uh, philosophy um, towards writing has really, um, has really shrunk our kids' ability to write their ideas. If you Absolutely. go into any, if you go into any of the state standards, um, Common Core or you know whichever state you're in, and you look at the standards for writing, there's not one standard for voice. It never talks about voice. Huh. It never talks about you know what is your idea. Well, very clearly delineate you know all of, you know, you're able to use an <laughs> adverb, you're able to, you know, use an apostrophe and a contraction, and you're able to spell conventionally. And, you know, you, you know, all of these other standards, which are important standards after idea making. Right. So giving our kids that opportunity to, to, um, to make those ideas um, and to shrink these many, many, many exercises into kind of pinpointed, okay, this year we're going to focus on what are the parts of speech for the purpose of understanding that words have enormous potential. There right. are nouns, there are verbs, there are adverbs, and isn't that mm -hmm. wonderful? So even the way that we approach teaching grammar is different because we have kids make sentences. So the same thing right. that Sarah was saying was was saying, you know, um if I said to anybody in any audience, I'd like you to write a sentence about your favorite pair of shoes, mm -hmm. not one person is going to go to their grammar box. Nobody. No. Right. But <laughs> but, you, but you will afterwards. So it's it's basically we're flipping. We're trying to, yeah. you know, do this well, the natural way that you would you would write something if you were you were asked to express yourself versus correct. to just correct yourself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. But, and it's totally. interesting. And, and, you know, those standards, we, we know where it all comes and boils down to is they have to be able to test. And to be able to test somebody for their ideas is basically impossible, except 
it turns around when they turn 18 and they have those college entrance um, papers that they have to write to, you know, talk about themselves. And then they just kind of go, well, what am I supposed to write about? Nobody's giving me a prompt. <laughs> I have Correct. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have an idea. What's an idea? Even worse, right. what's an right. idea? Right, exactly. Well, and to, and to make somebody feel insecure about their ideas. I mean, that was, you know, even, um, you know, when, when I was in graduate school um, it, for my master's degree in writing, all of the professors who were, you know, all from all over the country, from, you know, the big schools, they would come to our workshops and they would say, what we really want is we want you to be able to know the rules and then break the rules. That's another really important part of um, uh, art making. Yeah, you can't break you can't break the rules without knowing the rules. But they said, you know, one of the rules I remember uh, being pounded on me during high school is you may not ever write. Um, using the word I, you may, oh, you may I not write an, S, an <laughs> essay using the word I. Well, guess what? When I was in graduate school, they said, please use the personal pronoun. Please use I. <laughs> uh-huh. that's, that's what narrative writing is all about. Exactly. And, and so that's, you know, opened thing, opened things up. But, um, hmm. but it's, but it's it it's interesting this kind of Suzuki method of teaching yeah. writing, you know, cookie cutter. Do three of these and four of these and five right. of these, mm-hmm. and you know, then you'll have this wonderful stylistic piece. Well, no, <laughs> maybe something that sounds. Right. I, ha- I have a I have a really good um, my my. One of my friends is a visual artist, and she just got a write up in a um, in a an e magazine, <laughs> and she sent me her piece um, that was being written by someone else, and asked me to offer some edits, and I did. And then she texted me a little while later and said one of her friends ran it through an AI program. And <laughs> what was so funny about this, we were laughing because it it was super affected sounding and it was just like some like the ai went to the saurus and changed all of the adjectives and adverbs and it sounded super huh. pretentious wow and so that's huh. not what we want to wow. teach our children that's right. what this exactly. kind of cookie cutter teaching like mm-hmm. take a word and go to this the saurus no 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 you have to choose just the right word and right. to do that you have to gain this love for words and that's we have operation lexicon we mm-hmm. offer vocabulary exercises weekly to to get kids to really love words right absolutely so, yes i found that just you know exposing my kids to good literature helped yes. with that a lot um just yes. you know those stories feed more stories that's And it's like you go to an art museum, you see art and you want to create art. You know, it's just you would get inspired. And um, if we're not inspired, we're not going to do anything. And so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Can I read you guys something? Yes. Here's I want to read some of my favorite art. And this is um, a little clip from Charlotte's Web. Um, And to me, this is just what it's all about. Uh, 
It was the best place to be, thought Wilbur, this warm, delicious cellar with the garrulous geese, the changing seasons, the heat of the sun, the passage of swallows, the nearness of rats, the sameness of sheep, the love of spiders, the smell of manure, and the glory of everything. <laughs> I just I wanted to chime that in because what's so neat about all these different authors we read is their voice. You know, yeah, you, absolutely. You can recognize Madeline Lingle's voice. You can recognize Evie White's voice. You can, and so we want kids to develop their voice too. And absolutely. that's the problem with the prescripted writing is that I once had someone bring me a couple of essays, uh, three actually, that their different kids had written, but they had written them according to a program, you know, that they were following. And they said, well, what do you notice? And I said, well, before I say anything, what do you notice? And uh -huh. they said, they all sound the same. I go, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> three, three different kids, but they all, these things sound exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're, we're antithetical to that. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So since we're in the mode of reading, I'd love to read yeah. some actual student writing from. Oh, absolutely. Um, so these are level three. These are people who are, these are middle school students who uh, used our program for a while. Mm -hmm. So every week we give a, we give a prompt. So this one is describe a time when a new season began in your life, a time you would label as important and the start of something new. So two different students and you'll hear just this vastly different voice. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever been the new student? I for sure have. I went to a middle school that I didn't like at all. It was a public school and it had around 800 kids. It was very large um, and it was very uncomfortable. I also had a, a bad friend group, which made me upset all of the time. In mid-October, I decided that I would try out this private school that I had tried out in the middle of the fifth grade. So I went there for a trial day and ended up really liking it. To make things even better, I already knew some people. So I had to make a big decision in a week. I had to decide what school I was going to attend. On one side, the public school had many activities that I had been looking forward to. Still, I decided to go to the private school. One week later, I was in attendance. Like I said, before I knew, be, before, oh, like I said before, sorry, I, I knew only some people. I was very, I was very new to the setup of homework there. However, after a little while, I got used to everything and I felt very welcome. In conclusion, if you're ever new to something, just go for it. You might just end up loving it. Okay, so same Good advice from middle schooler. <laughs> isn't that cute? So yeah. this is the same prompt, a different writer. Forty-three match point. I say to my friend JJ, who waits for Steve. The ball goes in. The ball goes in the bar. I end up winning a tough rally. Winning that match started a new season in my life. It started my love for tennis. I had just joined my little town in Connecticut's tennis team for the summer. My friends also joined. 
My afternoons on Mondays, Wednesdays, and sometimes Fridays are spent with tennis team practice or matches during the summer. I loved it so much that I played tennis during the school year more to get better, more so I could get better for the summer. Sure enough, I came back better than some of my friends and ready to play. I'm better at tennis. I'm better at tennis team matches as well because I play so often. Winning matches was much easier. Playing tennis makes me feel happy, confident, and strong. So that's what we want writing to do. Those are two very different ideas, right? Exactly. Yes. And it dives into something um, we talked about on our broadcast a couple months ago. We were spending a whole month talking about how when you personalize education Mm -hmm. for a student, they have that ability to draw from within them an energy that you just can't get out if you're just That's doing true. rote types of things. But when we yeah. get that excitement comes up and it's it's about something I love, something that um, I want to do more of, that that creativity, that energy just boosts. And, yeah. and students can write and, and do so many other things when um, when they have that. So, so what, yeah, what those two students, basically what we do um, in our methodology is we give permission. Mm-hmm. It's like you have permission. It's exactly what my daughter was doing with those college students. You right. have permission to write your idea tied to this prompt. Yeah. And it's, you can, they can be as diverse as these two little students, you know, ideas. Right. Um, it's not about getting the right answer. And I think that yeah. you have to get that out of our heads. So how yeah. how do people like who come in with that mentality, <laughs> you know, um, come into a curriculum like yours? How does that switch happen? And is it easy? Um, not so or some some. And others not. Um, it, I've had many, 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 many experiences with this. And it ranges from, you know, the first thing that you do is give permission. You have yeah. permission to write your idea. Some students are coming in from this really heavy, you know, heavy handed, rigorous, deconstructive methodology. Some right. students are coming in from the, um, once and done, you know, there's a lot of curriculum out there who are like, oh, you journaled for today. Great. I'm not going to look at it. It's yours. Uh, It's beautiful. I'm not going to touch it. And those are the two, you know, kind of sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I've had, you know, um, I can think of two examples. One was a, a high school student, a young lady who was going into the 10th grade, came to my little hybrid program with a 0.5 GPA from her public school. She was crushed. She Mm. was just, she was crushed. So we took her way, way back in our curriculum, let her read really simple chapter books. I let her cozy up on the couch and, you know, I wanted her to, you know, feel safe. And, um, And ultimately, you know, over time, I want you to write your ideas. I want you to make your ideas. She got very interested in photography, which um, gave her a little more confidence to write. 
And by the time that she graduated from high school, we graduated her with a 2.5 and she was able to go on to a junior college. She could write, she wrote beautiful poetry. She was able to convey her ideas in essay form and off she went. Um, I I had another young man who came to me who um, I got many calls when he started taking my writing classes and from teachers. Oh, you know, he, we don't really know what to do with him. He's on the spectrum. He's never going to amount to much. And right away, I just, yeah, no, no, Mm -mm. that's not, that's not acceptable. This is, this is a human Uh, this is a created being. This is a lovely person. Mm -hmm. And so I began writing with this young man. Well, fast forward, um, a year later, he won a national scholastic arts and writing award for a poem he wrote. And he went on to get an MFA in writing and has two books published. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it's, it's every single person in the world can write and should write. Absolutely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? I, I think yeah, it's just yeah, the mission I, giving. The yes. parent and the mm-hmm. student need to, to be giving permission, right? Mm-hmm. We need Absolutely. to, um, we need to look at what this child is writing and we need to be, gently um, manipulating their idea, not writing our idea, not focusing on form, but focusing on idea and then smoothing form. And I think, I think it takes a, it takes a couple of our core units for the rhythm to start, but there's never been any problem with that. I was going to ask, you know, the motivation, especially for students who come out of a situation like that, that, are just so down on themselves or, you know, they've been told so many times you can't write. Um, And that process of moving them out of that. And it's just continually being given that permission. I know when I first started homeschooling, I remember the first time I, I watched a video of one curriculum and the one I ended up choosing was you can pick and choose what you want because you're unique, you know, and, and you're going to teach your kids different than somebody else. But we've made this curriculum, you know, to, to come alongside. And I was like, that is so freeing. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of, you know, somebody just telling you, you've got to do this, this, and this. And if you don't do all the little steps, it's just not going to turn out right. And it, you go into a state of panic instead of mm-hmm. embracing that freedom and, and really enjoying yourself. And I, you know, that's really what you two have been talking about is that, that the giving of that, that freedom over and over again. And, I think um, that yeah. what what we've done is we've created a scaffolding for that to happen. Uh, so okay. we know yeah. we know mm-hmm. we know what has to we know the goal ultimately is for the child to graduate high school and you know this young person should be able to think and read and write well. And that takes all 13 years. And so what we've done is we've given this scaffolding to write, 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 gain gain skills, write, 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 gain more skills, write, write, write. So it's it's writing, 
over time, lifting the pencil and doing the heavy work of idea making over time. Because um, I have a I have a friend who was a you know colleague worked with me and and said, you know, if we give our children all the right art materials, the most expensive paint, the most expensive canvas, um, they'll be able to make a masterpiece. And that's not true either. That's right. I, exactly. I said, no, they will make mud that will, end, <laughs> that will end up in a big muddy mess on the canvas. Right. So, so we need to be taught too. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's, yeah. Um, there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so this is where we like to support parents because um, when you're homeschooling, you're the teacher. And right. so we've put all of the instructions you need inside the student guide. We have mm. helps material. We're developing videos because becoming a writing coach is just as scary as being a writer. Right? Yes, absolutely. So true. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, yeah. Is that, I, did you have something to add to that? I know you were going to say oh, something earlier. Yeah, I was thinking um, of giving uh, a practical, you know, Kim, I, I was thinking it would be cool if you talked about how you had your your kids doing poetry and, and sitting at the table and just some of the ideas that you used to spark, you mm, know, like, yeah. I don't know what to write, you know, like yes. Just, yes. some of those cool yeah. things to get. I just yeah. love that story about the tea. Yeah. So this is a story we wanted to share and it's, oh. um, I have a whole, yes, Mm -hmm. I love these books. I have massive collection, a massive collection of poetry books, but a long, long time ago, um, I had a group of little kids in my living room around the table and it was a beautiful fall day and the light was streaming in from the shutters. And I said, okay, we're going to read a sonnet. We're going to read composed upon Westminster bridge. September 3rd, 1802, uh, 1802 by William Wordsworth. And they weren't intimidated. I was right. a little intimidated, right? <laughs> but, um, but not really, but not really. So I started reading, um, Earth has not anything to show more fair. Dull would he be of soul who could pass by a sight so touching in its majesty. The city now doth like a garment where the beauty of the morning, silent, bare, ships, towers, domes, theaters, and temples lie open unto the fields and to the sky, all bright and glittering in the smokeless air. Never did sun more beautifully steep in his first splendor, valley, rock, or hill, Never saw I, never felt a calm so deep. The river glideth at his own sweet will. Dear God, the very houses seem asleep and all that mighty heart is lying still. And so I I was reading, I was all passionate. I looked around and the kids are like, huh? <laughs> and, they're, and they're really, they, they're there. But somebody said, what does steep mean? And I thought, oh, so I ran to the kitchen. Uh I made a cup of tea and in a glass um, teacup so they could see. And I said, this is steep. This is steep. Oh, yes. Look at it. And then I said, look at the window. 
do you see that this room is steeping in sunlight? Yeah. And they'll never forget that word. Oh, no. That's, that's exactly. how we, right? And then, you know, and then we just did, you know, three more things. I said, let's look at this little um, sonnet and let's see how many sentences there are. There are complete sentences. There are three. And they're, and they're beautiful. They're long. They're short. They're medium. Right. And mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about the rhyme, but then we dug into personification uh, and, you yes. know, you know, never did sun more be beautifully steep in his first splendor. Hmm. He was steeping in the beauty of the environment. So we talked and we talked. And then I didn't ask these elementary and middle schoolers to now compose a sonnet. No, no. But I said, we're going to create a poem in a really fun way. What I want you to do is I want you to write a sentence. I want you to be in this environment and I want you to love and enjoy. And I want you to write a sentence and I want you to use the word steep in that sentence. And I want you to try to personify something. And I gave a silly example, you know, I wish the chair would wiggle its way over to me so that I could sit in um, in her comfortable lap, on her comfortable lap. So, you know, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just playful with the language. And William yeah. Wordsworth gave me the lesson. He gave me the lesson. Absolutely. Yeah. And so... Once they wrote their sentence, I said, now, here's a slash line. Slash it into three pieces and rewrite it, and you have a poem. Ah. So that's called, a, that's called a line break poem. And it's hmm. great because it teaches you to write beautiful prose, but to turn that prose into, into um, a poem. So That's really cool. You can take any poem and do that. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah, end. And so simple. I, I know that that's uh, definitely something our parents can, can take away. And, and it yeah. gives a good example of, of how you approach this um, reading from that ideas point versus the, the more mechanical, traditional approach. Um, we had one parent submit a question beforehand that I'd love to get to before we wrap up. Um, Shantice uh, asked, what approach should you use to help students with speech disorders not to write in short phrases, often how they speak? Our speech pathologist is out of resources as well. Okay. So, Sarah, um, the, read the first sentence of the E.B. White that you read. It was the best place to be, thought Wilbur, this warm, delicious cellar the garrulous geese, the changing seasons, the heat of the sun, the passage of swallows, the nearness of rats, sameness of sheep, the love of spiders, the smell of manure, and the glory of everything. It's a whole bunch of pieces put together. Yes. Yeah. And so my suggestion is to get, so to make some long phrase cards Take a sentence like the one that Sarah just read and write the phrases, you know, the garrulous geese, the beauty of everything. The, and so you have some phrases that can be manipulated and you can, you can put them in different order, um, have single, single words, you know, do 
have um, something that you put together to make sentences. One of our um, one of our pieces of uh, curriculum is called um, Story Maker. And that's exactly what mm-hmm. we do. We have cards and objects and story starters to help students learn to create those kind of complex sentences like E.B. White. Um, it's not natural um, and it's not um, just children with speech, um, right. with speech impairment. Lots of children write really small, short, choppy sentences have fun and allow them to write sentences that are big and and even silly mm-hmm. you know um but Bring i would the pieces start, together yeah right yeah yeah it makes me think of you know just when a kid's excited and they're talking about something they don't even take a breath between you know <laughs> all the things that they're yeah. saying you know those big run-on sentences but you know yeah. that you start with that because that's where the yes. ideas are um yes and then, then you i think them. this is the paradigm shift we're talking about where you have to give yourself permission to work with a student like that. Like if you took the situation where you took a mug, a clear mug, boiled water, put the tea in there. Right. And you have them talk about it. What do you see? Go at it from an observational thing. Mm -hmm. I see brown stuff swirling. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's, you know, a phrase or two. Right. What else do you see? I see a clear mug. That's another phrase. Like mm-hmm. that, that's the, I think the paradigm shift where you just actually do it real uh, organically. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily going to come out of a book or a grammar book or, or whatever, yeah. you know, it's, it's, um, practice. That's like practicing thinking in a lot of ways. Uh, absolutely. Practicing observing mm-hmm. And then you you could just, you know, get those papers and what do you call those things, Kim? With the pieces sentence with the, strip. Yeah, yeah. sentence strips. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. have a bunch of those and then then put them in, hey, you made an entire sentence. Right. So awesome. we, we used to have a game um when my boys were in middle school called Scrambled Sentence. And it was in oh, an, like an op- or a hexagon uh shaped box. And all it had was phrases and they wanted, they would see how many of those <laughs> phrases they could do in one sentence. And I mean, it would go oh my through, goodness. The kitchen, through the kitchen <laughs> sometimes. It was awesome. But that, oh. this is, I think, especially for someone um, with any kind of, if somebody who's dysgraphic, somebody who's mm-hmm. dyslexic, somebody who's autistic, someone who's got speech um, impediments, um, what you really want to work on is multi-sensory, um, yes. hands-on, tactile, um, mm-hmm. organic learning. And, you so know, true. be creative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd love you to, to revisit your, your w- website. Um, blackbirdandcompany.com is the, the website. So if you're listening on the podcast, um, I will have all the um, links as well to... Um, to the products that um, Sarah and Kimberly um, were talking about in their website as well in the show notes for the podcast, as well as the um, YouTube channel. But um, what, what can parents find in there? I saw that you had a whole parent um, section on there. 
yeah, we have a, a parent section. We also have, we have a blog and I try to, and Sarah tries to, and our teachers, we try to put up on the blog uh, many posts every month that will inspire um, writing. So yeah, writing a lot of them were creative too. <laughs> and creativity. Yeah, writing yeah. and creativity. So um, that's, that's a place where um, we have a lot like of free things too. Like um, the, we have a free spelling and we have, oh, just, if you go to free stuff, I think it says free stuff. We have all on kinds the of orange cool bar. Things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You mm -hmm. can download. And, it, and this month we have a letter writing activity on oh, the free stuff. Nice. We just put like a, a friendly letter um, kind of worksheet um, hmm. and a lettering hand lettering is so important. Oh, so mm -hmm. jump on there. So yeah. this Very is our technology. Yeah. The pencil. <laughs> Absolutely. We believe in the pencil <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Yes. It never goes out of style, even though some people say it does. <laughs> no, it does not. I, I I always like to, if there's one thing we can leave parents with, um, I, Michelangelo said that he saw the angel in the block of marble and he carved until he set it free. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the, mm, that's the crux of idea making. Right. So I just, in I encourage parents and their students to look for that angel and set it free. Every idea is an angel. So absolutely. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Anything close to say, Sarah? Um, just if anybody has any questions, they can call us or email us. We love to talk to parents and try to Oh, that's good. puzzle out and solve any mm -hmm. issues you might be having with your particular student. And um, yeah, we do that a lot. So, and yeah. Kim's real experienced teacher having the school in Los Angeles and had uh, has taught every kind of differently abled students. So she's a real wealth of information for those kinds of things. So that's awesome. And you guys know what homeschool parents go through. You've been there, done that. So, oh, um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you're, you're talking to some, some wise resources <laughs> when you, when you contact them. Well, thank you both so much for your time, your willingness to share and just for, um, Fun. taking this whole writing thing from a different perspective and, and sharing that with our audience today. I really appreciate that. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys were amazing. And um, I just encourage you all to check out their website, um, blackbirdandcompany.com again. And um, just keep up the amazing work. Um, you guys have some just wonderful materials. And I'm super excited mm -hmm. that it's out there and available for, for parents you. to be able to use. Thank Absolutely. you. See you on the river. Yeah, yeah. We go every two years. So I was there this year. So it'll be uh, no this this summer. I'm going to England and Norway. So oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be speaking at the Global Home Education Conference in in Manchester and in, in wow. Yes, how yep. exciting. Yep. So that's that's where I'm I'm headed this summer. But I'll be back in the Tetons the next summer. <laughs> you might find me on the river then. <laughs> So, yeah, well, I'm glad we finally were able to meet up again, Sarah, and um, and also to be able to meet you too, Kimberly. Yeah. Yes, very nice to meet you. 
Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about how to create harmonious spiritual and homeschool rhythms. And so I know this holiday seasons are coming up and this is a really good conversation to have because I think chaos tends to ensue and we don't want that to happen in your home or your homeschooling. So um, we're going to try to tackle that one next week. So um, join us back here. um, Same time, same place. And until then, take care, everybody. God bless. And thank you again, ladies. Um, Enjoyed having you on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.